to Table Radio Season 2. Today's sermon on being together again is from our neighborhood table on Sunday, November 21st, and is preached by Andy Withrow. The Enjoy! Time, seen and weighed our word, prize you paid with blood to save our lives. Our reading today is from Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 21. And this concludes our Being Together series. Listen to the words of Paul. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never seen, have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Well, we've all had those moments where we've had something stuck in our teeth, and someone who really cares about us points it out, right? We think back and we wonder, how long has it been there? Who saw it? Why didn't they say anything? Or you could reverse the roles. You're talking to someone you don't know super well, and they've got this big piece of kale right there. And your internal monologue is saying, well, should I say something? But the longer you don't say anything, the more awkward it gets to say something. And it's the true friend we all know who point out our faults in love and genuine care. They can look at us and they can see what we don't always see. Because sometimes it's more than just a piece of kale in our teeth, right? Sometimes it's a behavior or the way we say things or the words we choose that we're not aware of. They signal a fault in us, a shortcoming, a questionable priority maybe. Something hidden to us but seen by another who can come alongside. Other people have access to truth about us that we don't always have access to. But what if this were also true about our spirituality? The way that we think about God or spiritual things. It's popular to think of spirituality as something intuitive and highly personal or highly individual. But what if it's not primarily any of those things? What if it's not intuitive? What if we get it wrong? Or if we can get it wrong, what if our ideas about God or ultimate truth are off a bit? We might be ignorant, maybe even hopelessly so, of spiritual realities. But fascinating enough, this is precisely what the Bible claims is going on. It says it's not intuitive. It's not obvious. At least not intuitive or obvious enough. 
The Bible says we've got something much, much worse than spiritual kale in our spiritual teeth or spiritual toilet paper in our spiritual shoes. In other words, we have gaping holes in our knowledge and understanding of who God is, what God is like, and what our relationship to him and others ought to be. This is the big idea behind Paul's image of a priest in this passage. Did you hear it? Did you catch it when I read it? Verse 16, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable. Gentiles are opposed to Jews here, so it's essentially the offering of those on the outside who don't know about God might be acceptable. And the priest for Paul is the mediator, the go-between for God and us. Their job is to ensure the rules of the relationship are engaged. And the assumption is it's not obvious. That when we come before the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we come not being ignorant of what God asks of us, of who God is, of what God is like, of what God requires to come with a proper understanding of who God is and who we are before him. And this is what Paul has done in 15 chapters so far in his letter to the Romans, teaching on the graciousness and the justice of this particular God and what it means to know him and to love him and to be in relationship with him. This is Paul's job, his vocation, he says, his sense of calling and purpose in the world. It's why he's been traveling all over the known world, as he brings up in this passage, and why he now wants to travel places beyond where the name of Christ has not yet been declared. Because it's not intuitive. It's not obvious. People will not know unless they hear. This is important. Not intuitive. Not necessarily obvious news. And it has implication for our whole lives. It's what this whole passage has been about ever since we started in chapter 12. And the news, what Paul's teaching, hasn't really been about what to eat and what not to eat. Or which special days to celebrate, as we've seen. But about how to receive the gift of God in our lives. Paul has been our insider these past few chapters the one who can tell us this news about who God is and about who we are in light of that God. But he's not the only one. He also says that members of his audience, too, the church in Rome, they're capable and qualified to also instruct one another. And the word is also translated admonish, meaning to warn or to advise. And just like true friends who care enough to pull us aside and let us know when we might be putting our foot in our mouth or maybe doing it wrong, the goal isn't shame or punishment, but loving correction. All the way back where we started this series in chapter 12, Paul focuses us on worship, living in ongoing relationship with God. And it's our whole selves that are given over to this. Remember, our whole bodies are living sacrifices. And the question, am I doing it right? We're not meant to do this alone, on our own. Spirituality is meant to be done with others, in community, as a family. We get a little help from our friends. And following Paul's image of the priest, we get human help in cooperation with the Spirit. He says, my priestly service helps the offering of the Gentiles be acceptable, sanctified, set apart 
made right, made good, made holy by the Holy Spirit. But God uses humans in this. Isn't that wild? God desires and he works to make himself known. And he is actively making himself known to those who do not know him. And he's doing that through people who do know him. We all have those people we trust to take us aside and tell us the truth about ourselves. Who do you trust to take you aside and tell you the truth about who you are before God? Paul would argue that's the more important and necessary friend. We all need feedback mechanisms in our lives. It is perhaps a great tragedy of our age that we tend not to have these for understanding our relationship with God. And in light of that relationship, our relationship with one another. We need a mirror that gives us a clear reflection of who we are. And one of those mirrors, God's word. By the way, mediated by people who know God. (laughs) That God reveals himself to. It's an essential mirror that tells us who we are. But another mirror is friends in our lives who we trust know God well are part of God's family that can speak to us. God also gifts the church with specific roles that clearly communicate who God is, and all of this helps to mediate and facilitate this whole life of worship before God, before our King, before our Creator. And Jesus is at the center of this work, as always, working through us to accomplish it. Remember his promise at the end of Matthew's gospel, I will be with you always, all the days to the very end. He is a sign and wonder that we bring with us. So I think one of the takeaways as I was reflecting on this passage is that it becomes a skill for us to learn and inquire and discern using outside help. It's not just an individual, personal pursuit. A lot of us are taught that um, in the world that we grow up in, that it's private. The Bible is pointing us out in the other direction. We're doing this together. And it moves us to pay more attention to the things that are being taught. As we read the Bible, as we listen to preachers and teachers and pastors teach, and we just surround ourselves with friends that we trust. They are lives lived before God. God wants this to happen, and he empowers this to work in us. God, we give you thanks for not just the gift of your words that bring truth and light and clarity, but the gift of people that you call and empower to teach and to speak into the lives, into our lives. God, would you give us grace to receive outside help from people who know you and know us. Love you and bless you for this gift that you give the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. 
Music for this episode, provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. You are, you are our God. You are, you are our God. kept you in you laid your life to overcome the grave Spirit may you dwell within our grateful hearts we live to lift up your name we may live to lift up your name God you are our God we will ever praise you Rising of the sun to the setting of the same, our words cannot convey how worthy to be praised. You are, you are our God. You are, you are our God. God, you are our God. We will ever praise you. Rising of the sun.